Hello. Hi. Hi, Alex. Hey, I'm good, thank you. Uh, it's good afternoon there, I assume. <laughs> Almost, yeah. Just uh, one minute away. Okay. But yeah, pretty much one minute. Cool. To the afternoon. Cool. What's going on with you? It's, it's turned miserable from when I mess when I messaged you this morning. It's just pouring it down with rain here. It's miserable. Oh, <laughs> miserable British weather. Completely, completely ruined the day. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, shall I walk to the nursery and pick up the little one? And then I was like, no, just got in the car instead. <laughs> Came back. <laughs> well, I'm so excited that you're on the show. Thank you so much um, for giving me the opportunity to uh, speak to you today. Um Especially being, um, I find you, I find you um, very inspirational. I've been looking at your your work for a while now, and it's like, wow. I know you do inspire other pharmacists, but you've definitely inspired me. And I'm, I'm across the pond here, like far, far, far away. And um, yeah, completely loving what you're doing. Um, so. Um, I host the, uh, it's called the Pharmacy Podcast Show here in the UK and um, it started out as a, as a bit of a joke really. <laughs> we had, uh, yeah, it started out a bit of a joke. Um, I thought, okay, I, there, there was a elections earlier on in the year and I thought, why would we vote for people that we know nothing about? um what what makes that pharmacist unique what what drives them what inspires them and so, yeah it started off as a joke and um it sort of turned into a regular thing turned into a is especially when you get recognized because of your voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, I know what that's like. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's quite surreal, I, I would say. As uh, we had a, the um, the UK pharmacy show uh, back in October, and the amount of times I got stopped saying, "Oh my God, it's the it's Raj, it's the host of pharmacy show." <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? How are you today? How are you doing today? Good. Um, I am just finishing up a, a project for my book. Okay, cool. Um, and so uh, that's hopefully going to be published probably about February of next year. Okay. By the way, I'm getting a little bit of feedback on my end. It's like I can hear my voice ever so slightly coming through your earbuds or computer or, or, or something. Uh, is it clear now? Maybe. It, it seems okay on the side, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Hey, if it's good on your end, that's fine for me. <laughs> um, um, but I'm, I'm doing well. Doing very good today. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so for our listeners, just give a, a, a brief introduction um, to who you are. Um, and then I'll get into a bit of a, a jokey round, which I normally do with all with all people I interview before I get into the nitty gritty. Uh, oh, okay. So, oh, we're recording right now. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love how you just flowed right into it. Uh, I didn't. I totally did not expect that. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, so you want me to just I'm loving the accent, by the way. I am. I am completely loving the accent. I'm just like, 
I've got butterflies in my stomach right now. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. My Midwestern accent, you think it's, it doesn't sound exotic to you? <laughs> it sounds amazing. Oh, my <laughs> Compared to my brummy accent, it, yours sounds a lot better. Brummy? Well, you're expanding my vocabulary. It's brummy. Um, brummy, so I'm from Birmingham initially. <laughs> 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 okay okay so you want me to just shoot off who, who the heck is this guy that kind of thing yeah because i'm pretty sure no one in the uk knows who you are yeah probably not um although i did go to glasgow for um FIP. FIP. yeah i saw your post yeah, on that yeah yeah that was fun um so my name is alex barker i'm a pharmacist live in the United States, obviously, if you can't tell from my weird accent. And uh, I was a pharmacist that was burned out. I dealt with a lot of bullies at my job. I came to a point in my life where I really just hated what I was doing. Um, it even got to the point where I almost regretted joining the profession. Okay. And okay. so... Through a kind of a process of self-discovery, figuring out what the heck I wanted, and through a lot of experimentation and failures, I uh, eventually created uh, what I call the Happy Farm D, which is all about helping other pharmacists create inspiring careers and lives. Um, I spent a lot of money and training and certifications to basically figure out what is it that I have to do to create a happy, fulfilling, and indispensable career. And, well, now I teach others how to do the same, and this is now my, my full-time job. I've walked away from a nice, safe, cushy American job with a pension. <laughs> I'm not sure if that translates or not. I don't know if you guys use no, the word pension. We still, we still, yes, that, that one is the same. That one is gotcha. the same. Yeah. I like how you write dates down, because that just completely confused me. <laughs> Pension is <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, but just uh, feel free if I need to clarify anything. No worries. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be like, "What's that, Alex? You're making no sense." Yeah. Cool. So uh, now I'm honestly kind of living the dream. I work from home. I will talk to people one on one and in groups, and I teach them things that just make me come alive and help them come alive. And that's where I'm at today. Cool. So you, you, you talk about bullies. Was that in, in a corporate world? Were you mainly based in, in, in a corporate industry? Or is it how, how does it work over there in terms of pharmacy? Well, um, a little over half, I believe, of our um, industry is involved in community pharmacy settings, um, many of them in retail mm -hmm. settings, which is definitely more corporate. Um, myself, I did have an experience, uh, I worked as an intern and for a little bit as a resident in the community retail pharmacy setting. Mm -hmm. um, but after my residency, I got a job in the Veteran Affairs, which is a government agency in the United States. Very bureaucratic, very political. Okay. Um, unfortunately, I had to deal with two bullies there. Uh, made my life a living hell. But um, through the course of just changing some things, and luckily they actually uh, moved 
nope. better uh, for the last like two years of my my career at the veteran affairs. Uh-huh. So these bullies, um, I mean, I've been quite vocal in terms of my career journey um, and what involved change in my career journey was a bully. Uh, and it was a bully whilst I was pregnant. So, yeah, um, it really, really did unhinge me quite badly, that one did. And, and you know what, it, it has been, it, it's been a while um since i left i left that that position but it's still it's still a bit of taste in my mouth literally is um but justice was done but the fact that it happened and it happened to someone that was pregnant um literally i wouldn't wish it upon anyone it's horrible to go through especially when nothing's been done that you know that's nothing's been justified in order for that action or behavior it it literally does make no sense to me. Mm. And to top it off, it was done what, by another woman as well. What are they doing? Um, it, inflicting on um, 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 slandering my name, um, adding on extra pressure, uh, giving unrealistic goals and targets uh, to deliver within a certain amount of time frame. Um, not being considerate about the fact that I was traveling 100 miles a day. Um, she knew I was going through some health issues as well. Um, so all in all, the level of support that I had from the company was zilch for someone that I'd done like seven years worth of hard work and graft and changed so much and brought in additional revenue and you name it, I'd done it and it was just soul-destroying basically but I turned the leaf and I've never looked back I've, 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 I enjoy what I do I love what I do and the fact that I could do it from home and spend time and see my son grow up it's amazing absolutely amazing fantastic love it love it love it love it <laughs> actually I, I quote um, I, don't, I think it's an article in one of your papers. I, I forget where, but I know that in the UK that something like 25, 23% of pharmacists have experienced bullying, harassment, um, or some kind of abuse in the last 12 months. I want to say it was like February 2014 that this was reported. It's going to be a lot the, higher than that. Um, people don't whistleblow um, or report because they fear for their positions within the companies. And that is something that we're trying to change. Um, and it's something I quite vocally say on social media to say, we like it, we tweet it, we share it, but we never actually speak about our own accounts. Um, and we do need to be more vocal about it, especially in these corporate companies um, where things get done on a very, um, tactile basis where it'll be done in a public setting in a, in a in a coffee place and i've had many females get in touch with me saying this has happened to them uh, what should i do it's it's very common ground what i'm finding uh, here at the moment so that percentage is going to be a, a lot higher alex a lot i found the quote here this is actually from the nhs staff mm -hmm. survey from 2014, they said 23% of pharmacists had experienced bullying behavior in the last 12 months. Last 2014. 
got yeah, it's, it's, just four years ago yeah it's, it's vastly changing um and so much more is happening I, I, it's probably down to unrealistic goals uh time pressure constraints stress um everyone wants to hit their figures and things like that but they're doing it in unethical ways um so there's, there's there's reasons behind it and underlying reasons but it doesn't it just doesn't justify it completely it, you know i say if someone's um um competence and capability uh, is not questioned and there should be no grounds for anything like that at all uh, to exist uh, but more work needs to be done definitely on those areas wow we went into this old serious topics already <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like wow <laughs> right um so you've got kids yeah you do um how old are they i got two girls izzy and addy uh seven and four. Oh, seven and four is it like um is it like them being in teenagers years already or have i got that to look forward to <laughs> no no my oldest is a sweetheart she's oh, a team player bless. um she is just the sweetest gal ever and my probably my four-year-old is the teenager she's the rebel she's me as a kid she wants to cause trouble she wants to fight it's because she's, um, she's the second child. She's definitely going to be a leader in some way. I just don't know how. <laughs> it's because she's the second child. I can vouch for that. I'm the second child. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's the second child syndrome. I'll call that definitely. So with with you having two girls, what would you say your favorite Disney princess movie is? Gross. Um... <laughs> favorite Disney princess movie? Yeah. Uh, Wreck It Ralph? I don't know. That um, ain't a Disney princess movie. There was a princess. It was that weird little girl. No. Um, my favorite Disney princess movie. Gosh. I came unprepared for this interview. Th this is the I, whole point. <laughs> I, I actually like Mulan quite a bit i love mulan yeah i I've, i enjoyed that story i didn't think the music was as good as in others like the lion king which is a classic mm -hmm. but I've, i enjoyed um you know the story that mulan goes through i love the hero's journey anytime yeah. i can see that in a movie it's always wonderful to see especially as a woman goes through it um my favorite like woman's hero journey is alien Sigourney Weaver is a total hardcore uh, BA yeah. uh, that I totally respect, and <laughs> she's awesome in that movie. Highly recommend if you haven't checked it out. I have watched it, um, but it took me a good 10, 15 years to then watch the sequel. So I was quite late on the sequel side of it, but I have watched. I don't think it. you're missing anything there. <laughs> nah, but I, my husband's like, you got you got to finish it off. You got to finish it off, and then I was like, yeah, okay, and it was all right. It was all right, but the, the original's better. The original is better. The first one. <laughs> so, do you follow um, the comics world, and would you say you're favourable towards DC or Marvel? Um, I, I have to admit, I read more Japanese comics than American. Uh, yeah, I know you're um, a big fan of anime. Uh, yeah, that's my thing. Uh, Marvel, for sure. Superman is just too boring. Mm -hmm. 
but Batman's all right, and I don't know. Everyone else is kind of black. So, what's the your Marvel favorite? What's your, what's your favorite anime? Oh man, this is a weird podcast. Bullying and then anime. (laughs) (laughs) I've somehow brought in Fifty Shades of Grey in a conversation before and it turned into Fifty Shades of Grey to Fishing to Samosa Chart, you name it. I I get all things covered. (laughs) Hey, no, this is good. This is good. Um... The, the anime that has had me had the most feels, the most moments where I've been like, oh, man, you're tugging at my heartstrings here, mm-hmm. is uh, probably Kill a Kill, uh, which is about uh, a coming-of-age story about a girl and some clothes that come alive and help her fight uh, some people from taking over the world. It's a great story. Okay. One Punch Man is also an excellent story. Um, gosh. Oh, and if you want a movie, uh, that is, that is just fantastic is Red Line, which is about racing in space is fantastic. See, all I remember, because my my husband's a big fan of anime, um, but all I seem to absorb him when he talks about it is, um, Berserk. Berserk. Okay. Yes. Berserk is good. Mm -hmm. And that's all I remember. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and Toroto, to, uh, however you say that, Toroto, Toroto, that, that that hamster thing. Oh yeah! If you give it a shot, I think you'll be surprised. Because I was always the guy that I don't know said at least I'm not that nerdy. At uh-huh. least I don't, you know, play Dungeons or Dragons or watch anime. But now I'm totally that guy. <laughs> um, How did you get into anime? I remember one day uh, hanging out with some friends in college and I was watching this weird cartoon on Cartoon Network and I watched this this guy fight off a bunch of thugs with just a knife in his mouth and his hands were disabled or something and I was like, wow, this is this is pretty intense violence for a kid's show. What is this all about? <laughs> and my... My friend, uh, Justin, he opened an entire new world to me that I just never even really knew about. And I've read stories that have made me cry. I'm not the kind of guy who cries. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, I've, I've got teary-eyed um, after reading some of these stories because they just they know how to tell great stories. So that's how I got into it, I guess. And have you been over to uh, Japan and places? It's on the bucket list, but no, not yet. Um, I thought about going next year, but actually my family and I were going on a sabbatical over the summer and doing the uh, family road trip all over the United States, Um, which, by the way, uh, whenever I'm in the UK, because I've been there a few times, I'm always very jealous of how close things are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm always like, wow, it's only like two hours to London from here. Like, how nice is that? Where I live, it's like five hours to the largest metropolitan city, which is Chicago. Really? Yeah. Wow. From here to there, there's almost nothing. That's boring. It is boring. <laughs> I feel sorry for awful. you. <laughs> 
But the housing housing prices are super cheap, which is fantastic. That, that, uh, I own that, my house, which that is, is nice. That is one thing. That is one thing I must say. You guys do have massive houses, and I'm so jealous of those. <laughs> um, especially how fast they can get made, and how big, and how spacious, and the amount of rooms, and massive gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think it's American, right? That we're just like, oh, we need all this space. Um, Actually, we were just on a road trip on Thanksgiving, which was last week, and uh, they built another storage facility in my hometown, which we got like 3,000 people. There's no reason we should have (laughs) 10 giant storage facilities for people's crap in these garages, which is not something I noticed. Because you guys have got ample amount of space anyway. We need more stuff. I mean... Every TV show is all about getting more stuff and filling up your room with stuff. Actually, yeah, to be fair, when we were in, we went, we came to L.A. Uh, 2016. Um, uh-huh. And that's all I remember on TV, all the adverts of what to buy and all this sort of stuff. Uh, we don't do that. I love much your advertisements in the U.K., they're, they're, they're um, restricted. <laughs> you can yes, only watch that, that sort like of stuff on that channel. <laughs> that was one of my highlights of the whole experience was going to FIP and then I'd come home and my wife and I, we would watch advertisements. <laughs> uh, the guys' shows and your things, they were so cheesy, so corny. Like I couldn't stop laughing. Like what, what are we watching? <laughs> what are they promoting? Did you watch any EastEnders or Coronation Street <laughs> or uh, Emmerdale? No. no, nothing like that. It was just weird and wacky stuff. But hey, you know, different cultures, right? Did you try any fish and chips? I tried haggis. That was weird. Uh, I'm vegetarian. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're not missing anything with haggis. The the look of it, the sound of it, the name of it, nah. nah. Yeah. I'll stick to my chocolate bar, thank you. <laughs> Chocolate's good. A lot better. Chocolate is always good. It's always good. Um. So, why did you become a pharmacist, Alex? Well, truthfully, um, in high school, when they here in the states they make everyone do like these assessment tests yeah. to see what your where your aptitudes lie mm-hmm. um, i remember i think like number 1 was like principal which is um, in the united states that's like the guy who's in charge of the whole school facility for um, younger kids and i thought nah, nah i don't want to do that i didn't like my principal yeah um i was the guy who always got into the principal's <laughs> office because i was i i got so many detentions in school really um, i would never have thought oh, you look yeah. so sweet <laughs> so sweet oh, and innocent I'm, I'm nice now <laughs> i'm a good guy now but back in the day oh yeah yeah if in fact if you connect with me on facebook you do a little creeping on me you'll you'll see some detention slips from high school in there. Um, yeah, I was I was not a great kid. Oh, um, definitely connect with your Facebook then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've only it's been in detention once. Only what was ever, that? I've only ever been in detention once. Wow. Well, I think I have you beat by like thirty times. So. Wow. 
Oh, I was quite really. ashamed of a, over one. <laughs> I, I, I actually did lie to my parents about that, and I says we've, we've, we've got an extra course going on, so I, I can't get out of school till, you know, five o'clock. <laughs> what a bad girl. Definitely, definitely. Don't like being in trouble, but, yeah, I can, I can spin a white lie, definitely. Mm. Um, anyways, uh, that test, one of the top, I don't know, five picks was pharmacists, mm -hmm. and I was good at math and science, and I saw how much they make here in the United States, and I thought, well, I don't have to touch blood, butts, or guts, mm -hmm. so that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really do a whole lot of thinking about it. I just did it because I thought, oh, this is safe, this is secure, I'll always have a job, there's always health care. I didn't have like a experience or a family member that was a pharmacist that inspired me to do it. I just was like, well, I'll, I'll go do this. And through my college experience, I fell in and out of love with pharmacy quite a few times. I thought about quitting, but, okay. um, How you know, I, eventually I found my sweet spot. How long's the course in the U.S.? Yeah, it is different than in the UK. So my understanding is that you guys have to do four years of uh, college education uh, or university. university excuse me. Yes. Uh, yeah, uni. Uh, in the United States, we've got our uh, twelve years. Well, not twelve years, but first through twelfth grade, um, and then after that, most colleges expect you to have uh, either the prerequisites, which takes about two years. Mm-hmm. Some, some colleges uh, want you to have a bachelor's degree, which is three to four. And then pharmacy school itself is typically four years. No wonder you fell out of love with it so many times. Look how bloody long that is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and then after that, it's expected that you do a one-year residency. Not everyone does, but it's a one-year residency making about a third of the normal wages that a typical pharmacist makes. So at the end of this whole process, how much in debt are you? Get, uh, I'm not in debt. I, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm 100% debt free, but the average student as of last year graduate graduated with about $150,000. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So one of the one of the benefits, though, of living here in the United States, is that the average pharmacist makes around one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, which makes up for it. So you can clear kinda. that off quite fast. Kinda. Yeah. Depending on how you consolidate debt, I mean, you're talking anywhere from a thousand to two, three thousand dollars a month that you have to pay just off your loans to pay it off over thirty years. Mm hmm. Um, so it's awful, you know. We have it's a huge problem. <laughs> I think the, the the length of years has already put me off. <laughs> oh yeah, wow. yeah. When I found out you guys, you only had to do four years, right? Four years, and then the fifth year uh, as a pre-reg. So what you would class as your residency, I'd say. Um, and then we do that last final exam, which you, you've only got three attempts at. So if you 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 mm. if you screw up on your third attempt, you buggered because then you can't be a pharmacist mm, i think we're six mm, wow. a little more forgiving here wow but yeah our pay sucks so 
You've, you've got the upper hand yeah. on that one, definitely. <laughs> I've heard that. If you're so, paying, uh, I know a lot of people, they actually come to the United States after they get their degree, which I've is got a friend you know, totally that's doable. Done that. I've got a friend that's done that. And that's who we went to see when we were in L.A., um, is he was one of my one of my best friends at university. Um, he fell in love with a girl from LA. They got married. She tried living over here, but she hated it. She calls it wasn't sunny enough. <laughs> Fully hated <Sure>. it. <laughs> uh, I think she only lasted here about four months. <laughs> um, so he went over there and, and and started about the conversion course and stuff. And the stories he would tell me, I was like, wow. Um, he, he to some level went through a fair bit of bullying as well um, and from what he explains to me and from what I can see is different is that you have to do a lot more brown nosing in the US especially if you're trying to get certain positions and things like that I'm like okay <laughs> so you kind of held to ransom a little at times um as opposed to on your um ability um but he's passed he's, he's he's loving life now um so at least it worked out for him which is good 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 for him yeah which is good um if you could go back in time and change the profession you chose what would you change it to and why i've thought about this a lot I, I still believe that I would choose pharmacy again mm -hmm. because I'm doing what I love, um, which is essentially just being a professor, but I own the university, you know? Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't to be pharmacy, like what would I pick, right? Um, I probably would have done something in sales okay. or business. That sounds boring, but that's probably the route I would have, have chosen. Mm -hmm. Should I do this all over again? Or at least, like, something that would involve me speaking in front of people. You got um, the gift of the gab, that's why. Yeah, I'm that weird guy that loves attention. I'm like, oh, yeah, give me. That's why I got so many detentions <laughs> in school. I was, I was doing... <laughs> the stupidest stuff to get people's attention on me because I, I thrive on it. <laughs> Won't lie there. Um, so I would uh, – most people don't know this. Uh, do you actually know what a barker is? No. Uh, I didn't think so. Neither did I for the longest time. It's actually an American phrase, I believe, and it describes a person – who is outside of a circus calling out what's inside the circus. Ah. Yeah. And that actually fits pretty well with what I do now. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> with your children, um, what would you encourage your children to do? Like as they grow up, would you want them to follow what society says and get an education, get a degree, or would you want them to follow the entrepreneurial route? My wife and I talk about this quite a bit, actually. And with the way things are going in the United States, by the time they're in college, I'm predicting mm -hmm. a radical change in our system. Mm -hmm. um, 
or it'll continue to be the same, but only cost three times what it is now. Um, so what I'm encouraging for them first and foremost is to explore what they love doing and doing more of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that means getting a degree or maybe it means starting a business. I'm already encouraging business activities now. And so, for example, my seven-year-old, she's got uh, things that she has to do around the house all the time, uh, like cleaning up, that sort of thing. But there's other things that she can do in addition to them mm-hmm. to generate some income because she likes Pokemon. She likes some <laughs> games and she wants to buy those things. And while I tell her, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I, I don't have any money for you. You're already costing me tons of money. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go make some? <laughs> and so uh, she does dishes and some other things. And that. She, I don't think she totally gets the entrepreneurial bug yet, but she understands now that, hey, if I help someone else, mm-hmm. I can receive value back to me, which is in the form of income. And that in turn means, hey, I can go now and uh, buy the things I want rather than waiting for dad to get me something. It's understanding the value of money as well. It's, it doesn't come straight away. It comes whilst earned. And sometimes you have to do get your elbows dirty, get your, get your hands dirty, and and kind of enjoy the ride, but you reap the benefits at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't mind if my daughters want to become a doctor or a philosopher. I'm going to push them to go do what they want mm-hmm. as early as possible because I don't want them to take what most people do here in the United States and they get into a degree and they don't really understand what it is or what it's going to give them the opportunities to do. And then they graduate and then they go do, you know, sales for some weird company. Yeah. So there's a big disconnect between academia and the real world in our country. And definitely, I'm just going to enforce in them hard that they've got to figure out, what they love now before they invest in something that may or may not pay out. Yeah. Do you guys do work experience over there? So you like go work for like, say for example, you were studying pharmacy um, and you get an opportunity to work in a pharmacy. Obviously you don't get paid for it just to see what it's like. um, So you can change your mind if you want to. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there are things like that in, in pharmacy programs, I know I don't know too much about other programs, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't know if you had this experience in college. But I remember going to my first two um, experiences, and like all it really was was just a tour of a facility and people talking about what they do. And I remember thinking for both places, like, oh, gosh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, and then uh, getting back to studying. Yes and no. Yes. They're, they're trying to minimize that gap now, and that's something I've tried to address, especially with the students over here. 
students over here when they do get work experience it's generally the the shitty jobs like um stock the shelf put the bit put the rubbish out they don't get any interaction with the customers they don't get any interaction with what services we offer what an actual pharmacist does um and at times they're more interested in the dispensing side of it like oh i get to stick a label on the box and i'm like do you realize that's exactly what our customers think and that's the image you should be changing because our job involves so much more than sticking a label on a box so i i'm working quite closely with the universities to bring out a bit more detailed experience towards the visits that they do make um so that they get their hands dirty they understand what it's like to talk to a customer and understand the communication side of it understand the services behind it and understand the why we do what we do as opposed to thinking at the end of the tunnel i'm only going to get paid this much and all i have to do is stick a label on a box which is completely incorrect um so it's it's getting there um and it's it's trying to get the employers to understand that side of it as well and like end of the day these students are the future so we need to invest in their future and if you want excellent pharmacists at the end of it then you need to invest earlier on <laughs> um, makes sense and, and go from it from there um now with the with with what you do alex and obviously you're debt free now and you've got a successful business do you have a morning routine that sets you up for the day like do you meditate do you exercise or do you just roll out of bed and know what you want to do <laughs> uh well i did before thanksgiving um <laughs> normally what i do is i get up i force myself to do uh tabata exercise which is like intense workouts for a short period of time is that and like then training? I do uh, usually a little bit of reading, prayer, um, sometimes meditation, but usually I reserve that for later in the day. Okay. Uh, and then I uh, get my kids ready and take them to school. That's typically my morning. Um, and what inspires you on a daily basis? Inspire. Um, I don't think anything inspires me on a daily basis um i think the work that i do just drives me forward okay you know i've my mission <clears throat> is really to create like twenty thousand pharmacists who create indispensable careers ones where they can work where they want to work on their terms and they love it mm -hmm. um that mission and that vision kind of pushes me to learn about things I never thought I would from collective bargaining to uh, labor economics yeah. and, you know, things that for a long time were never interesting to me are now. And so I'm constantly learning and applying and teaching and leading others. Um, I don't really look anywhere for inspiration i just feel driven okay does that make sense yeah it does it does 
Um, like we, we touched base about pharmacists, um, about obviously the large amount of debt that they receive, and but they also have a high income. So, what in, in, on, on your website you talk about a pharmacist's role at, at times can be miserable. What's making them miserable if they get a high pay bracket? Is it something more than pay? stress of the job is that what you're alluding to i think okay so what stresses have they got because like we have the nhs here and we're always looking at the nhs to fund it uh and that's mm. the biggest issue and now over in the uk we're going towards privatized services because if the nhs can't fund it we're struggling we're getting cuts that's why we're feeling stressed what's making the pharmacists in america feel stressed if they've got no nhs <laughs> uh, yeah, we are. We're really stressed out. Um, my own personal research, which I can give you a few links to some of the articles I've written, has found that uh, pharmacists in the United States have the 14th highest suicide rate yeah, out that, of 480-some yeah. occupations that the CDC uh, um, tracks. And so... You know, it's not just it's like it's a certain personality type that's prone to it. It's burnout is rampant in our profession here. Um, it's hard to say generally like what is stressing all of us out because it's not just retail or community or hospital, but it's there's some broad things that are causing the stress. Work demands being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a push for doing more with less. Um, and this is compounded by things like getting rid of support staff. So we don't have um, pharmacy assistants like I think you guys do. Okay. I don't totally understand how those work. We have technicians. And um, some weird things are happening in our profession where certain roles and responsibilities are being taken away from pharmacists and being given to technicians. I think this is driven by profit ultimately because uh, a lot of the major organizations here are lobbying for roles and responsibilities being given to the technician and in turn saving the company money because technicians cost a third of the cost of what a pharmacist does. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to do that here. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, management is always an issue in pretty much every industry. Pharmacy is no stranger. I, I created a, um, an anonymous exit survey. So I don't know about the UK, but whenever you leave a job here in the States, practically every company wants you to fill out a survey that talks about your work there. And no, we, we don't do that. <laughs> Well, in here, no one really wants to do it either. Um, Truthfully, I didn't uh, for my job because I knew that it wouldn't really change anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people don't earnestly write what they think about the job because they know either it's not going to make a difference or they don't want to, in their mind, burn a bridge, right? Why say something negative? You know, pharmacy is a small world. You may never know who, uh, how that may come back to you and and bite you. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the survey that I created for people to just write about what they think about their last job, um, over 40% said that management was the main reason why they left their job. 
and well over 70% of people said management was one of the top reasons why they left their job. Okay. Um, management. Yeah. I think, it, I think if we did something similar like that over here, I think that would still come out as one of the reasons, one of the main reasons, management. And in general, this is making a lot of generalizations, you know, there's, there's obviously great people out there, right? But yeah. when we talk about societal demands on pharmacists, we're often the last people that our patients see, and we're more of a burden than we are a solution. Mm-hmm. People are mad at us. They're mad at insurance. They're blaming the pharmacists for the insurance problem. Um, the doctors don't like us because we're saying no to certain drugs and we want them to describe another one when they want to do something else. Yeah. And we're kind of like a middleman that has no power because of insurance, because of what the doctor wants, because of what the patient wants. You know, we're supposed to be the gatekeepers for safe and effective medications. And yet we have so little power here to influence the outcome. And I, pharmacists feel that when I, when I talk with people one-on-one, um, I've noticed a trend now that I just call number care. Most pharmacists join the profession because they want to provide health care. They yeah. want to care for someone else. But when they get into the profession and they start working, they find that their priority is not health care, but number care. Yeah. Yeah whether it's following a metric or some pointless thing that they know they'll never achieve, like a, a metric or a goal to meet some like immunization um, goal. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they're actually helping people. They just feel like they're making the company more money. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And agree. Completely agree with that. <sighs> I get uh, businesses need to make money, um, I get it, um, but yeah, we do see the brunt of the latter end of the receiving stick because, yeah, like I said, we're the gatekeepers. We effectively control whether that patient receives that medication and if they receive that medication just because we allowed it to go through, that patient could die or get seriously ill yet we've got a frustrated patient in front of us yelling at us they want that medication we know we can't give that medication it's like we get it from all angles all the time um and something i I brought up recently at the pharmacy conference when i was speaking was um we we talk about um, our patients mental health and we're talking about mental health uh, as a general now more so than ever um, we're, we're, we're calling it out we have mental when mental health awareness weeks and things like that this is but who's actually looking out for us in our profession when we take on all this stuff all these additional pressures and stress who's looking after our workforce who do we have to talk to to unload this off and, and de-stress and and carry on but we still have to carry on at the end of the day patients still need their medication we can't we can't afford to go out on on strike or, or anything like that because 
over here and I'm not too sure how it works over there we don't unite as one profession uh, even though we've got professional body that professional body doesn't doesn't go out and um, and fight fight our corner essentially so you've got dentists that will rally around each other and and they will fight their corner tooth and nail and the same with doctors but as pharmacists it just doesn't exist um, we don't know whether it's because we've got different multidisciplinary routes but here it doesn't unite as a profession and cannot for the life of us figure out how to do it if our professional body won't do it is that something you face over there <laughs> yeah unfortunately we do um I, I don't know too much about the uk but i know that you have the royal pharmaceutical society um in the united states we have we have multiple different professions or i'm sorry organizations the two main ones are um, ASHP, the American Society of Health Systems Pharmacists, which is more based around uh, hospital um, pharmacy. And then we have the APHA, American Pharmacists Association, which is more geared towards pharmacists in the community. So, uh, you know, a nation divided will not stand. I think mm -hmm. someone like Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln said that, and that's what we're seeing in our profession. I've talked with legislators who talk with these uh, pharmacy advocates from different groups, and they've said to me in so many words, until you guys decide what your priorities are and come together, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing will change because you have so many different advocates telling us different things that you want. Yeah. And that doesn't work. Um, something interesting, and I don't know if you know this has happened in the UK, but decades ago, one thing I learned about dentists was that very, very long time ago, they demanded a law that said that a, it, it must be a dentist who is a majority owner of a dentistry. And that makes sense. Yeah. And in pharmacy, we've never had anything like that, which is how we've now what we're experiencing this giant problem of the major chains that we have. Mm -hmm. There's these giant businesses that are run by business people, not pharmacists. Not pharmacist, yeah. <laughs> I think it, it, yeah. Kind of depressing. You know, it's quite comforting to know that even though we are thousands of miles apart, we are still faced with the same issues, even though over here they're blaming the NHS for it. Um, and it isn't that. It's the fact that we're all not uniting on, like you said, what are our priorities, you know, um, and, and, and addressing it like that. Um and I think listeners here in the UK would, would would appreciate the fact that we're not in it alone. There are, like I said, other pharmacists out there, other pharmacists around the world that are facing with the same issues. And it's because we are being led by corp corporate people that aren't pharmacists. Heck, we don't have, like, the RPSGB still exists, but they're not our professional body. It's the GPHC 
now, so the General Pharmaceutical Council. Um, and yeah, so there's two bodies, but no one's actually owning up for anything. We're paying fees, but for what? I'm probably going to get shot in the head for saying it, but <laughs> hey ho. Well, you're probably just saying what everyone else is thinking, just no one is afraid of saying it out loud. Yeah, I think that's what that's what gets me a lot of traction here. Um, they know I just say, and I have no filter, essentially. Hey. <laughs> I have no filter. Me too. <laughs> now, uh, Alex, you came up with um, Happy Farm D. How did you come up with that concept? I was looking for a name um, back in December 2016. I was honestly really struggling with myself on what I wanted to focus on and how I wanted to dedicate myself to a new business. Um, I had created a few businesses in the past. Some of them were doing good. Some of them fizzled out. Some of them downright failed. And I wanted to create something that would help pharmacists and meant something. And I thought about, well, what is it that people really want? Um, and I talked to quite a few pharmacy people and the, the general uh, <laughs> consensus was is that most people uh, are miserable. They hate what they're doing. And I kind of just said, well, why not just call it the happy farm D? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. It, it goes against everything that our culture believes because one of the most popular blogs in our profession is the angry pharmacist. And I think everyone's got a right to be angry, but unfortunately mm -hmm. expressing the anger doesn't really do much for change. It doesn't change about what's going on. And I'm definitely mad. It's one of the reasons why I created it. Um, but to talk about it in a way that brings about change for people because you can be mad. That's a good thing. Doesn't it may be why you want to start something new, but if you just sit there and be mad all the time, then it's only going to just eat away at you yeah. rather than turning yeah. into some sort of positive energy. It um, doesn't change your result. You know, yeah. doing something differently changes your outlook, your outlook on life and increases your quality of life essentially at the same time. De-stressing yeah. the person, de-stressing. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, at hindsight, I, I think I would call it something else, but um, I, I like it. I, I think it symbolizes what I'm trying to go after. Yeah, I like it. It's different. Happy Fondy. Mm. I like it. How, so you talk about you had other businesses. Were these businesses done at the same time whilst being in full-time employment were they related to pharmacy or is it a way of generating an additional passive income uh, i did all of the above uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i some of the highlights um i sold baby strollers on ebay okay um i sold star trek stickers on etsy I uh, did a few uh, classes on Udemy.com. Mm -hmm. um, I created uh, online content, written uh, video and audio content for uh, pharmacy websites. That was like the most related to 
uh, the profession business model that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a part of a vending franchise for a while. I did uh, business coaching. Okay. I still do it occasionally when I find the right person or I find the the right person to f- to fit that if I need to. Yeah. Um. I yeah, and in between all of those things, I had lots of other ideas and total failures. Um, too many to count, probably all in a podcast. <laughs> How did you deal with your first failure? Does it, does that hit hard? And does it take a lot of courage and and changing mindset to pick yourself back up and and carry on? I think pharmacists are different in this aspect in that we're trained to fear failure above all things, right? Because if we fail, someone dies. Yes. Um, But that fear that exists when we're trying something new uh, often is elevated to the same level. You know, trying something like saying, hey, I'm going to sell stuff on eBay mm-hmm. um, shouldn't be all that scary. It should be like walking on a plank on the ground. But because we're pharmacists, failure could mean, oh, my gosh, we send something to someone and they get anthrax or something. <laughs> we, we take that board and we lift it up 100 feet in the air and it's no longer easy because one wrong move and we're dead. Mm-hmm. We're dead. Yeah. And that's just not the truth. Um, I am constantly failing. I would say that I am failing more now than I was back then. The only key difference is, is that my successes are that much bigger because of the failures. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have to overcome any major hurdles mentally in order to start trying things. Um, because at the time when I was doing all these business things, I thought, well, what's worse, you know, me just doing nothing and being miserable at my job and coming home, coping with the stress and watching TV, or should I try to do something and just see what happens? Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll work out. Is, um, is your wife as the same risk taker like you are, or is she very play it safe? Uh, she's definitely more played safe. Um, I'm not the typical pharmacist, you know, that struggles with like perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, let's get it out there. It may look ugly, but you know, y- you can't let perfectionism slow down progress. I am completely the same that way. Uh, I'm like, give me something to do. I'm like, bish, bash, bosh, done. And my husband can be sitting there for hours <laughs> we we have to do something called um revalidation uh so we have to do cpd entries before we can um um re-register on the on the general pharmaceutical website as a pharmacist before we give in our 250 pound say yes i want to be on the pharmacist register and this year was the first year that we actually had to submit four entries before we could do the submission and uh, i've been delaying it been delaying it i get take me long it take me long sat there two hours done my husband he's also a pharmacist one and a half days (laughs) 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 one and a half 
<laughs> and I was like, yep, done. I'm going to carry watching Friends on Netflix. <laughs> he was like, he's like, but I'm still researching. I'm still looking at things. What did you write? What did you do? I was like, there's no word count limit on there, so why did I need to write an essay? Wrote <laughs> the main things, and that was the whole point. Uh, Good work. Still laugh at it. We're completely opposite like that. He's got a perfectionist side of him, and I'm just like, mm. yep, yeah, it'll do. Get it out. Is he a pharmacist? He's a pharmacist, yeah. Oh, you married? Yeah, you married a pharmacist. Wow. I married a pharmacist. <laughs> yeah. We don't sit over dinner talking about paracetamol formulation. Uh, or anything like that <laughs> but we've got very different ways of working very very different ways of working um he calls me the the executor i just do it <laughs> and I, I don't care how i do it uh it just gets done and he just likes to research he loves research uh, and he could keep looking into it, looking into it. You look on it, onto his computer desktop and look at his bookmarks. Bloody hell. <laughs> He's got some sort of filing system going on in there that I'm just like, I'm not even going to touch your computer. Uh, but, yeah, two pharmacists that work. Well, it sounds like I could, use, uh, I could use them in my business. I need someone like that because, <laughs> holy cow, I'm like you then because I'm <laughs> – I'm looking at my board right now in my office, and there's so many ideas on that board, and I can't execute on all of them because there's just there's too much to do, you know. He's he's like he's like that as well. He he comes out with so many ideas, and I'm just like shit, shit, zip it. <laughs> let me finish what I'm doing, or let's do what we're doing. Just. Zip. Hold it on file and and put it in the pile of urgent, important, or urgent, not important, and I'll sort it out at some point in time. But yeah, um, it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> um, how do you balance work and family life? Well, can I back up a second on that question? Yeah. Personally, I do not believe that you can balance them. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard the analogy once that trying to balance your family and, and the rest of your life or, or family and work is kind of like comparing a yellow M&M to the sun and like holding up the M&M to the sun and saying, oh, how do I balance these two things? They're, they're, all, they're similar <laughs> in size. I like they're that. Both yellow. But one is way more important than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, family will should never ever uh, outweigh, uh, or I'm sorry, <laughs> other <laughs> way around. <laughs> Work should never ever outweigh family. Uh, and if it does, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the you know what's interesting about this discussion of like work life balance mm-hmm. is that it didn't. It was never a discussion uh, until about the 1970s, which, if anyone's a history labor economics buff, they'll, <laughs> they'll realize that this is about the time that women started to come into the workforce. And the workforce has been better because of it. Mm-hmm. However, there all of a sudden became this discussion of there's too much to do now at home, and I don't feel like I can accomplish all the things I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
and as someone whose life is about making pharmacists' lives better, I've had to wrestle with this idea of what is it that you really want from life? If you can't define exactly what is missing from this, quote, balance that I don't think you'll ever achieve, Mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult to talk about ways to manage it because otherwise you're just constantly chasing your tail thinking, oh, well, I got to – oh, I I, I need more time with my family. I need more time or I got to do this. I got to do that. And what it comes down to, I believe, is quality over quantity Mm because I will never be able to spend as much time with my kids um, as I'm spending time in work because that's the way the world works for me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I work for myself, I'm very blessed to say that I'm able to, uh, like after this interview, uh, two hours from now, I'm going to be uh, picking up my kids and uh, taking them home and then I'm going to spend the next like four hours hanging out with them, playing with them. Um, we'll probably do some sort of weird craft and then I get to put them to bed, you know, and that to me, that's, I I don't put it on myself to say my job is in the way of my family. Yeah. You, you work, Um, you work it around it and, and it's beautiful that you can see and have that time with your children and see them grow up. And I, like I said, you can't put a price on that. No, and you shouldn't. Yeah. Even if it means going part-time or quitting a job. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully you're not like a, a single parent because that – I couldn't – more props to you because I don't know how in the world you manage life without someone else by your side helping you with kids. Um but if you're the sole income earner and you're working full time and you feel the need that, man, I, I just want more time with my family, then I think it's time to reassess. Like, what do you really want from life? Mm-hmm. What do you want your kids to say when you're at your funeral? Oh, morbid thing to think about. But <laughs> it's that, true. So, oh, sorry, yeah. I never saw my dad. And to be fair, I used to feel like that when I was younger. Like, my father, he, he's a taxi driver. And we never saw him, never, ever saw him. Um, and it's only like a couple of years ago, like when you're, you're, you're in a full-time job and, and you appreciate all the sacrifices that they've made. But then now I look back and I see that me and my husband, we, we, we've set up our own businesses and, and we have that time to spend with our, with our son. And, and you appreciate it a hell of a lot more um even the small things like just 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 him him having that smile on his face as soon as he's woken up from a nap and he sees both of his parents are here um he's beautiful absolutely beautiful but the hats off to the people that have done it and and done it the hard way around because it's it's tough it is tough and um you have to make every moment count right i mean find out what are the things that you want your child to become because you're not you're not like spending time with them um to let them be forever a kid you're a parent to help them become a functional happy adult who can handle real life problems definitely 
Definitely. So that means that means probably not spending as much time as I'm doing letting them watch Pokemon and stuff. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it means hanging out with them, talking about life, getting curious about what they're curious about, and mm. learning with them, not being passive parents because mm. they won't. They're not going to remember those things. I'm I'm at the phase. He's he's 18 months, uh, my son, and I'm at that phase of where. I'm not too um, overly cautious over him. I'm just like, let him explore, let him learn, let him make mistakes. I, I want to see what he does. And I said, he knows where I am. He'll come for me if he needs me. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wrap t- wrap him around in cotton wool. I was like, uh, we've, we've, he's, he's, he, he was diagnosed with a feeding aversion. So it's he's come a hell of a long way uh, from not even wanting milk or food. Uh, to, to to what he's doing now, um, and is this your second child? No, he's my first. He's your first. He's wow. My first, um, and it took us ten months to get him diagnosed. Uh, so much so it caused that much heartache, and what I'd gone through with my employment, and I got diagnosed with postpartum depression. You name it, uh, it got chucked at me that year. <laughs> you name it, everything happened that year. Uh, <laughs> um, and with his feeding aversion, we were housebound for at least five months. He would not feed outside at all. Um, and it got to the stage of where he had to be syringe fed because he developed wow. such a fear. Um, there was no other way around it. He He needed substance, but wasn't able to take substance and um, the process of going through the whole system and uh, it took its toll most definitely. Um, but to see what he's developed into now and you would never have thought he had a feeding problem and still does. He still has a feeding problem, but it's about making sure he's happy. Um, and I've learned a hell of a lot more about myself. I learned how to be patient and I was never patient. Ever. <laughs> I want it done and I want it done now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kids kids have a way of making you uh, reassess. Are you the adult? <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we came through the journey together, definitely. Um, but, yeah. Do you plan on having more too, or is it just an only one? Oh no, I want more, but I think I've only just feel like I've got a bit of my life back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There's there's like usually a two year gap between kids, and it's like that's the point when they're like they're doing things on their own, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, do I really want to go back to changing diapers oh, no, again? No, no, no. I, I don't. I, st- I still enjoy that side, um, but I enjoy seeing him becoming very independent. Uh, now, did you feel like your balance was off between work when you had to come back and, and, and family life and responsibilities? Um, I balanced it quite well. Um, it, it was different because then I'm always thinking about his schedule because in order for him to feed at that point in time when I went back into the business, because uh, I set up my business, I started off the idea and the concept before I went on maternity leave. Uh, then he came early, I, I had him uh, five weeks early through emergency C-section 
Um, and I didn't know we would be thrown with this problem of a feeding aversion. No one knew what the hell it was. All I kept getting told was, it's not normal, it's not normal. I'm like, stop telling me it's not normal. I know it's not normal, that's not helping me. <laughs> um, and we had to rule out other things first, like silent reflux and stuff. Um, so I would work on the business as he slept for naps. So it was about getting my mindset in the right place. Um, so I did take out a couple of months, uh, especially with the postpartum depression. Um, I was on medication for six months, um, which I've been quite vocal about uh, in my podcasts as well. And it, again, that was the journey of being a pharmacist. And I give out this medication, yet there I am saying to the doctor, no chance in hell am I taking it. <laughs> I'm like no 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 I'm not that person and in the end it was a case of me accepting that either I do it or I might end up doing something seriously wrong uh, which I'll regret for the rest of my life um, so I'm glad I did um, and I'm glad I've learnt through it and we've learnt together but I have been able to, like you said, it's not quite a definitive balance between the two. It does sway up and down, and I will give, I will give that extra time towards my family and my son most definitely because I know my own skill set is that I can pick up the work very fast and execute it very fast if I just put my head to it. So I'm quite blessed in that way. Um, that it doesn't take me so long to do something, I can quite easily get it done within a couple of hours and be like, yeah, let's get back to playtime. <laughs> um, and that's something I'm trying to get across with other women, um, especially within the profession. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm speaking at a conference on, on this Friday, actually, about my journey. Um, it's, uh, my title is called Pharmacist's Journey to Succeed um and and how i've managed to do this and still still be a full-time mom as well um which which is quite which i think is quite blessed yeah i'm, I'm quite happy yeah well it sounds like a good talk yeah well hopefully it should be <laughs> <laughs> now on your website alex you talk about um coaching and how you used a coach uh initially um, how did you go about choosing the right coach for you? And why did you need a coach? So, good questions. Um, I'll, I'll clarify first, I think, that last question. Why did you think you'd need a coach? Mm -hmm. um, I, I really don't think anyone needs a coach. Okay. Um, in the same way that I think... Like, if you're an Olympic athlete, you don't need a coach to compete. No one, no one requires that. Sure. But if you want to succeed, if you, if you want to really chase after the things that you know are going to be difficult to chase after, and you don't, you don't want to constantly be listening to the negative thoughts or, the, or really even coming across the same roadblocks that you know exist to getting what you want, then maybe you 
should get a coach. And I wanted a coach. I want someone who doesn't listen to uh, my negative thoughts, who doesn't see the same roadblocks that I see. Mm -hmm. Um, I want someone to push me when no one else will. Because right now, no one is. No one's pushing me to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't always feel like doing it. Um, And so I I knew way back when, when I was a resident, and I knew that I needed to figure out really where I was going um, with my life. I said, I need a coach. I need someone who can help me with careers and businesses. And I went about it all the wrong way. I just went based on referral, like who did I know and who could they refer me to? And, um, I found this random guy on the internet (laughs) and now, um, actually that's kind of the same way I work. Um, now my coach is someone who I really respect. I really love what he's done with his life and his career. And he is an excellent coach and a great listener. Mm -hmm. Um, Essentially, we actually built a friendship over the last, I don't know, three years. And, you know, I just asked him to coach me and, you know, I never looked back. The way I do coaching when I have the time or is I uh, offer complimentary coaching sessions so that people can understand what it is that I ask of them in a coaching. Because most people don't even understand career or business coaching, they don't understand what it is. It seems weird, right? To just mm-hmm. talk to someone about your career. Do you just give me ideas? Do you just <laughs> like tell me what to do? I, and I compare it to really uh, what Olympic coaches do. Um, they push you further than you, what you could do on your own. Um, and it's usually a process of transformation. Um, I'm not the same guy that I was a few years ago. It's because of my coaches that I've been able to quit my job and do this business and live the life that I am living. I, I know for a fact I would have given up a long time ago or I, or I would have distracted myself or come up with another idea to chase. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're, if you're thinking about a coach, I would uh, pry I would find out some information. I would find out about past clients from people. Yeah. And I would ask people for a complimentary coaching session. Hey, are you willing to chat with me for an hour to see if we're a good fit? Because um, the way I explain it is that it's kind of like Disney World. I can tell you all sorts of things about coaching and about how wonderful it is and what what kind of results you're seeing. But unless you experience it, you're probably not going to believe it. Yeah. Um, And so it's not for everyone. I don't want to coach everyone in the world. Um, (laughs) In fact, I turn away more people now than I accept. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's It's kind of a pain because it's got to be the right. I just don't. Yeah. Well, it has to. Yeah, definitely. Um, Because I imagine if I was trying to coach everyone in the world, holy crap, that'd be annoying. It's a good problem to have, actually, because now I'm, I'm hiring other coaches. Um, I've got other pharmacists that are now working with me and, and helping me coach other pharmacists, and um, that's exciting to me. Um, it's showing there's a need. 
the fact that people are coming, it's showing that there is a need for it. Um, it's, it's what do they call it? Customer development. It shows what's required, what what our customers want, um, and, and go from there and try and, like I said, trial and error, see what fits, see what works. Yeah, yeah. I've done this long enough now to know that some people they they don't really need coaching. They just need to, you know, I don't know, take the next step, which is an interview or writing a paper or creating a business. Mm -hmm. um, but some people I know really benefit from it and it pushes them a lot farther. Like I've got a client right now who is a full-time community pharmacist and she started up a medical writing business, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically she just uh, writes um, continuing education modules and she also uh, has picked up writing grants. And I think last year she did something like $18,000 in sales over the period of a year. Yeah. But we started coaching and she did that amount in the first three months and it's been now six months since we started and she's done uh, over uh, 38K over the total year. And so, you know, it, that's the kind of results I like to brag about mm -hmm. with people, but it's usually because of being pushed further than what you can go on your own. Yeah. So, do you, do, does anyone in the U.S. offer mentoring services um, towards pharmacists or them changing their career? What would you say is the difference between coaching and mentoring? A mentor is someone who can look at your career and then give you advice based on their own career. Um, I would say unless a mentor has had some coaching training, it's very difficult to think outside of your own situation. Mm -hmm. um, as a coach, I hardly give advice. Um, I can guide people a little bit. I can, I can, you know, expand what people's options are and help them think differently about things. But what I'm mainly doing as a coach is I'm helping people transform to create more confidence about whatever the thing is and move them into that direction. Mm -hmm. um, occasionally I will consult people on things and, and that's different. You know, that's like, okay, here's what you are going to do step by step by step. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a coach, you and I sit down, we get together, and we creatively problem solve, and we think about what it, where's your current reality? Where are you at? What's going on? Thinking about all of our options as to what we can do to move forward, and then creating that action plan. What will you do by when? And what happens if you don't do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accountability. Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes I don't like my coach, but uh, he's he's doing his job. He's doing his job. Um, Would you say it's more brutal but, uh, than a personal trainer? More intense. Yeah. Um, because it's like a mental workout, whereas personal trainer is like a physical workout. <laughs> Which one's yeah. more brutal? <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't. That's a good question. 
I guess it depends on where you're at. Many times what I find end up happening in these coaching sessions is people bring up, you know, the issues, the things that are really stopping them. Mm-hmm. Like, and these are fears that are created in childhood. And, you know, they're things like, I'm not good enough. What if people hate this? Um, I'm never going to succeed. I'm going to try and I'm going to be just wasting my time. Um, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And what I tell people is, look, if you want to diagnose the past and try to figure out what your problem is, that's a therapist's job. They can help you make sense of the past for the present. But my job is to maybe help you make sense of the past in order so that you can have a plan moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's difficult because those fears are just habits that people have created over decades. Yeah. It's not like you can just insert a new mantra or silly affirmation and all of a sudden change who you are. It's associations Um, we've made. Um, Yeah. yeah. I've I've read into a lot of um, the Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins work. Sure. Yeah, people have great opinions about that guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good and bad, good and bad. Good and bad. He was, some, he was someone that um, my husband pushed me towards um, when I was going through that difficult situation with work. Um, so for the, for the five weeks that were leading up to before I had my son, I was like in that why me, why me state. And I, I did his 10-day program. Um, it helped. That's how um, that's how my uh, farm mastery came about uh, for student students. Because uh, over here, there's many people out there that are doing things for like their pre-reg year, helping them pass their exam and mock mock exams and things like that. But I want to bridge the gap between education and what reality skills that you actually need and develop the key life skills and competencies that are required for you to perform that job perfectly um so yeah it's i yeah i agree it's uh, associations that we make and we make them along the way that we don't we don't actually realize we're doing it <laughs> and, and um like i said it it, it it picks up from something that we've we've either seen in childhood or seen our oh, yeah. parents do or and think that you know what that that's what my husband should be like that that's what a relationship should be like that's what my job should be like um that's what the perfect life should look like and, and things like that and um i think social media makes it a lot worse that's another discussion i think for another day um so what does the future hold for for you and for happy farm d what where where where, what what should we expect from you in the next year or so 2019 is looking bright um i have a book coming out in february called indispensable how to create a fulfilling pharmacy career. We've got an online uh, summit, which is kind of like just a virtual conference. Yeah, I've seen that on your website. Coming up yeah. In, yeah, that's coming in May. I hope. I hope it's coming in May. Um, and really, just continuing our work. Uh, our goal is to have a thousand uh, students, um, pharmacists, 
students in our course and help them transition into work they love. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's a big lofty goal. I don't know how we're going to do it, uh, <laughs> but uh, we're pretty excited and, and I'm growing my team to help meet the need because we're, we're getting people like crushing our door to to get in and it's a weird feeling because you know two years ago I thought this is a stupid idea (laughs) (laughs) Um, no one's gonna come to you Alex like you're not impressive no one's gonna listen to you Um, and you know here we are literally two years since like the birth of this idea and now I'm doing it full time. I've got other people helping me. And so probably just continuing doing that kind of work, working with people one on one and sharing great stories of how people discover what makes them tick and making that a career. Awesome. awesome. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, I thank you so much, Alex, uh, for giving me this time and opportunity to speak to you. I am pretty sure this interview will give inspiration and hope to the UK pharmacists that are that are here as well, um, because it's not it's not nice what pharmacists as professionals are going through, but it's comforting to know that we're not alone in the same struggle. Um, and that priorities do need to be addressed before things can be moving forward. But the whole point is to inspire pharmacists and inspire them to do something different, uh, find out what they're passionate about and invoke change that way. If they something, something so small and it could be something minute, um, just changing to their daily routine could have massive impact towards their their career could have massive impact towards uh, their family life. Um, it's all to make sure that end of the day we want them happy. Yeah. Happy Thanks for having me. I had yeah. a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Well, like I said, very different interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. It is. It is. I literally, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, I've never. I'm not someone that gets nervous, and I was very nervous about interviewing you. Holy cow! Is very. it because I'm so intimidating looking? No, I can. I can stand up in front of hundreds of people, and literally, I and people say to me, "How do you do that? How do you do that?" And I'm like, I just do it. I actually had butterflies today, Alex. Butterflies. Oh my goodness. Me. Me. <laughs> well, hopefully you still, uh, or you, you don't have those anymore. No, no, no. They, they've all, this is a normal they, guy. They have all settled. A... They have all settled. I, I will try out this anime. It will make my husband. <laughs> it will. It will. It will make my husband very, very, very happy. <laughs> Good, good. <laughs> and I'll let you know how I feel about those the, the ones that you've recommended. <laughs> oh man, no, they may not be your tastes. They not maybe. We'll we'll have another conversation. How about that? And I'll recommend something that may be more up your alley. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But <laughs> thank you, and uh, I'll let you carry on with the rest of your day. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Okay, all right. Speak, speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.